All right. Good evening, everyone. It's Daishihan Miller, or good night, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be in the world. Uh, this is episode 152 of Kuden, and my office is coming together pretty well. So anyway, still a little bit of odd sound, and I apologize for that. We're going to be putting foam behind furniture and uh, all my bookcases and, and artwork and all that kind of stuff to really tighten it up and make it more like a... Uh, uh, like a studio, I guess. Yeah. So anyway, uh, quick question, right? Um, what's the goal of self-defense training? Okay. We're going to talk about that and more when we come back. So the big question is this, how are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. So again, uh, what's the point of self-defense training, right? How do we know when we're training, when we're learning from someone? How do we know that we're on the right track? How do we know uh, that we're actually learning what we need to be learning uh, and not just, I don't know, deluding ourselves, right? Doing a whole bunch of feel-good things, right? Well, um, hopefully we'll make this a little bit more interactive uh, during this session. Uh, I, 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 again, I'm my own producer here for another week or two because uh, James is out. And uh, when he gets back in, then uh, I won't uh, have to be going back and forth between my computers. So if you see me looking over here, it's because I keep catching uh, myself with uh, some of these other things that I do, like Whiteboard Wednesday and whatnot, with the screens right in front of me. But camera's here. Laptop's here. Anyway, so hopefully we, we can work this around. I actually was tempted to put a look here <laughs> right above the camera. Anyway, we'll see if it works. Anyway, so what I did was I, I, I made up uh, a series of questions and, and whatnot. So we'll do a little bit of interactive stuff. So if you're on um, in whichever direction, let me just bring those things up so that I can see things. So um, there's a couple of folks on at this point. Usually people really, really jump on after they get the uh, we're live uh, five minute late uh, email that goes out. But anyway, so. What I really want to look at are a couple of questions and share some stories, uh, you know, from just different different places, everywhere from the Grandmaster to uh, a couple of other teachers to uh, a retired Navy SEAL officer uh, podcaster that I follow uh, quite a bit. Right. So quite a bit to cover. Um, again, um, one of my friends, Jen from the UK, uh, she uh She's in the Bujinkan, and she also runs um, uh, Nexus, I think. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's escaped me. Anyway, uh, but she's she's on, and she, she saw the topic and kind of chuckled a little bit and said, uh, that's a deep well, right? Good luck. Well, it is, and unfortunately or fortunately, um, we can only cover so much, right? So uh, hopefully what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you – enough to think about so that we can do what wise people do 
what smart people do, and that is self-check. Okay, um, nothing worse than getting and deluding ourselves. Um, I don't know if you've been following uh, all these uh, shorts uh, videos that I've uh, just recently put out, um, but uh, one and these ne- these never get the same kind of views that the cool techniques and and the training drills and stuff like that get. But um, uh, just posted one. It was uh, something I was describing a little conversation I had with um, with a student, and uh, it was actually one of my uh, black belt instructors, and. We were talking about um, there was this quote I was trying to trying to remember, right? Um, and I'm sure I butchered it in the video, but it was discussing three different types of people, and not when I say intellect, I don't mean intellect wise, like whether they're smart or whatever. I mean the way it, it's more of a personal character trait kind of thing, right? And so. It really had to do with like when they when they learn something new or when they ca- they encounter something new or they see something new or they hear something new. Right. The fool uh, will laugh at it. Right. That's stupid. That's, you know, whatever. Right. Doesn't make any sense. Whatever. Right. They laugh at it. They just laugh it off. OK. Um, the arrogant person. Uh, they'll give you all the reasons why it doesn't work, why it won't work, whatever, right? So they're like this because they have an answer, because they are somewhat educated, whatever, right? Um, only what they believe to be true matters, right? So they'll just give you all kinds of reasons. Uh, and both of these people will do everything from condemn to uh, you know, make fun of to outright attack you, right? If necessary, right? It's only the wise person that uh, that gauges things based on the outcome they're looking for, and before they condemn anything, well, they don't even condemn, right? What they do is they they seek to understand it first, right? Instead of just outright dismissing it, they seek to understand it. And then in the process of understanding it, then they try to figure out how this fits in, right? How can I use this, right? Um, more than once, more than a couple of times in Japan, uh, training with Hatsumi Sensei, um, you know, somebody will, will have demonstrated something or it, it could just be a sidebar conversation we're having. And he made it a point to always remind the upper level uh, students, right? Um, and he did it in different ways, right? You should be able to see when they walk out onto the mat. You should be able to look at a technique, whatever, right? But there were always these, always these reminders, right? You need to be able to tell the difference between a good technique and a bad technique, right? Something that will serve you, something that will get you hurt, that kind of thing. No matter the rank, no matter the stature, no matter the, the years of experience of the person um, who's using it, right? You need to understand context. Um, constantly reminding us that there's a difference between conventional martial arts for recreation, for sport, for, uh, you know, fight contest, whatever, right? And true budo, right? And this is not a differentiation of style. This is, this is about you know, budo, right? Warfare, okay? But it's not about winning fights. It's about, it's it's about shutting a human body down 
right? There's a difference between scoring points or getting a knockout or whatever and uh, and winning a fight. And somebody's going to the ER or they're going to the morgue kind of thing, right? There's no do-overs. There's no talking smack afterwards. There's You're, you're lucky if you're not crippled, uh, you know, maimed, seriously injured, dead, whatever, right? So, but there, again, there are a couple of questions that I have. And so um, the, the primary question is, what's the goal of self-defense training, right? Um, what you'll find when I post things online is that I use the term self-defense, but I use the term self-defense because that's a really highly searched term by the kind of people that are looking for this type of training. Okay. If I type in survival training or if somebody types in survival training, they're looking for something quite different. Now, the cool thing is that Ninjutsu has both, right? There's a self-protection side of things, but we see that everything kind of wraps up in that anyway. Um, but survival, we tend to think of, you know, shit hits the fan kind of situations, right? We're in a wilderness survival kind of situation where it's life or death. Uh, preppers will look that kind of stuff up. Um, you know, survivalist, um, even urban survival stuff, right? Um, there's a few of us that use terms like urban survival or just flat out survival or whatever to mean self-defense. But that's not what 99.7% of people, I rounded down. Um, type in when they're looking for this type of training. They type in martial arts, they type in self-defense, they type in protect yourself, uh, defend yourself, those kind of keywords. And so if I want my my lessons and, and my material to be found online, then I need to title things and I need to use certain tags and keywords and whatnot that are based on what people normally type in, right? How to win a fight fast, how to win a fight in less than 10 seconds, those kind of things, right? I had to have done my research because that's what ninja do, right? To figure out what people type in when they're looking for specific things, right? If I change any part of that, I could get a different group, right? A different uh, set of people that maybe, but probably not, are, are looking for what it is that, that I focus on and the type of people I focus on helping. Right. Same thing with most of my friends that are focused in the self-defense world. Right. But we need to be able to answer this question. Right. What's the goal of self-defense training? Right. People would say, well, to defend yourself. Well, see, that's too shallow. That's too that's too broad. Right. So we're going to come back to that one. Okay, we're going to come back to that one because I have some other questions. Right. We're going to contrast that one with what's the goal of a fight. I don't care if it's a fight in a bar on a Saturday night. I don't care if it's a fight on the street or if it's an MMA match or whatever. What's the goal? Okay. Well, the goal is to win. Okay. To win what? Right. What are we trying to win? We're trying to win the girl or the person, right? That we're fighting over. Are we trying to win the argument? Right. Whatever it is, there's some kind of a prize that we're trying to win. Okay. Uh, in the upper levels of training, right, the grandmaster has always said you need to drop your your thinking about winning and losing because that's what that, that'll get you killed. Right. But there's this desire, right, to win, right, to win the fight, to beat 
or it's not really beat. It's to best the other guy, right? To vanquish the foe, <laughs> right? So, um, but what's the goal of a fight? The, the goal of a fight is is to to win whatever the prize is. And I, I lead off everything from self-defense seminars to uh, workplace violence training for corporations with this same thing. I just I, one of the last ones I did was at a, a medical center, right? And the question was, what's the difference between a fight and a self-defense situation? Because okay? they both have one or more combatants. But there's a huge difference. Right. There's a difference legally. Right. The way the laws are written out. Right. So. The uh, the the way I kind of lead things off is, you know, there's two there's two or more combatants in both situations. But in the self-defense situation, at least one of those people didn't choose to be there. They don't want to be there. And everything they're doing is to get out of it. Not to be standing at the end, talking smack or with the arms, you know, held held high or the referee lifting your arm or or whatever, right? There's no trophy. There's no belt. What is there? You get to go home, right? You get to tuck your kids or your grandkids into bed. You get to kiss your significant other goodnight, whatever it is, right? You get to get to enjoy life a little bit more still might have some wounds to lick and, and some bruises or some cuts or whatever, probably. Right. But it's not the same. Right. So what I normally do is I, I lay it out kind of like a mathematical equation. Right. And I know you may not like math any more than I like math. Right. But if we lay it out as a math equation using some basic symbols. Right. So what most people have going on in their head when they think about self-defense and a fight, if we wrote that on a board, right, we would write self-defense equals fighting. Looks the same, right? A lot of the, I mean, you're doing the same thing. You're punching, you're kicking, you're doing joint locks, you're doing all these kind of things, right? But is that really true? That self-defense equals fighting. See, this is the uphill climb that I have when I'm discussing things uh, with uh corporations or whatever who just want like zero tolerance policies or they want prevention methods. But my niche, my, my specialization is to save lives and to put training in place so that people can operate and protect assets and protect people. Assets is like asses, right? Um, When bad things are happening, when the zero tolerance policy has failed, when the uh, banned weapons, uh, on site list got overlooked and there's now, you know, loud bangs and, or knives or clubs or whatever going on, right? All those kind of things, right? And the bad guy, um, the perpetrator doesn't give a shit one way or the other what you're going to do to him after, after he's done. Because he's either going to pop himself, which is a high percentage, right? Or he's going to surrender, but either way the damage is done, right? People need to stop thinking about those things as a win-lose situation because I'm betting that all the people in a workplace violence situation are not thinking that they're somehow trying to win anything, right? They're ducking for cover and they're trying to get the hell out, right? So, but if we think about these things, right, in a fight, right, you get one, you get two or more combatants, 
but they're all trying to win the same prize. They're trying to get a trophy or a belt or a check or the person or hell when when spouses or roommates argue about furniture or the the new curtains that are going up at the windows, right? Somebody's trying to win their option, right? Same thing. It's a contest, right? It's a contest. You're, but you're both fighting over the same thing. But in a self-defense situation, holy shit, I just want to keep breathing. I just want to go home. Here, you have the trophy. You have the belt. You have the check. Leave me out of it. Okay? It's very, very different. Right? And I know I'm going to jump around on my notes here a little bit, but it's important to understand the difference because if we train for one, it's not to say that we can't do the other, right? I would never say that a high school wrestler or a boxer or whatever couldn't defend themselves. I would never, ever say that, okay? What I would say is that the training that they go through to win their respective contests, right, it's not the same, right? It's not focused on the same outcome, right? A judoka, right, a judo guy, he's trying to execute throws, right, because all the throws – are preceded with the number of points you're going to get, right? In our martial art, um, seonage, right, is seonage, right? It's this over-the-shoulder kind of throw, right? Um, we don't use the term ippon, right, which is used in judo and, and other martial arts, right? Ippon seonage, right? We don't use the ippon. Why not? Because ippon means one point, right? All throws in judo are broken into one point, two point, three point throws. Ippon, ippon, sampon. Right. We have no use for that. Okay, It's a thing that we can do, but it's to write off energy, get somebody off our back, get them on the ground in a certain spot. Right. The finish for it is very different. Where we disconnect mentally. Right. Is different. The way it's set up. Right. Um, is, is different. Right. Um, and there can't only be one setup. Right. Okay. So. Um, Let's see. What else do I have here? Oh, um, this, this kind of reminds me. I, I jotted this thing down. I almost forgot. Right. So, uh, again, back to these YouTube shorts and I'm t- posting on TikTok and all that kind of stuff. But I tend to write off the that that won't work. You know, you're fat. You're <laughs> like be obvious. OK. Um, but the the latest one or one of the latest ones. Right. Uh, was somebody that uh, I was doing a um, multiple strike parry drill that's been passed down in this art. I've used it multiple times, um, not in the dojo. I mean, against somebody just throwing a, a, you know, barrage of punches, right? So just did this little, I don't know, 10, 15 second short where, uh, me and one of my guys, right? He's throwing a, a jab and a, and a lunge or he's throwing two lunges or whatever, right? And, um, we're just doing this little parry and, and connection kind of thing. So it's a, boxers might call it a bob and weave kind of thing, right? And so, but the end strike, so the strikes to the arm and then there's this end strike right here to this point called uko, right? And again, if you're on the, if you're on the uh, audio only kind of thing, I'm pointing at a spot on the side of my neck, right in the middle of the neck, right? It's called uko, U-K-O in Japanese, okay? Um, basically, it's the middle of the carotid pouch, okay? So uh, I, I firmly believe that if you're, if you're serious about self-defense training, then 
you need to get yourself a really good anatomy book. And I mean, ones that have like the, the, uh, plastic sheet overlays, uh, or really, really good diagrams and things like that. Right. Uh, I believe that Gray's anatomy is like the best ninja manual on the market. Okay. Um, I have several of these things, uh, in different libraries here at the dojo, that kind of thing. Um, uh, but my number one go-to one is a book that was gifted to me, uh, by one of my students who was in medical school. Right. So all the pictures are cadavers. They're all literal body parts. Okay. So anyway, it's a shot that's right here. Right. So in this pouch, right, we call it the carotid pouch, but there's a bunch of bundles, right? All kinds of wires and tubes and things. And so um, in there, right, you've got the carotid artery. So on, on that side of the, the, um, the, the neck, right, the, the, the thing that's feeding the brain, the blood and uh, oxygen and nutrients that it needs, right? There's the jugular vein, right? So the, the waste disposal sewer line coming down, right? Removing the, uh, the, the waste materials and things like that, right? The vagus nerve is in there. You have two, one on each side, right? The vagus nerve comes down through there. That, that comes out of the uh, side of your brain at the back, right behind your ear, like behind your mastoid process. It comes down and under your clavicle and then goes down and it's what keeps the pump pumping, right? It makes your heart beat, okay? Right alongside that, you've got a, a, another nerve called the phrenic nerve, right? comes out pretty much in the same area, comes down through this pouch, this, this collective uh, bundle area, right? Under the clavicle and then goes down the chest wall or down inside the chest wall, right? To plug into the diaphragm, right? It's what makes you breathe. There's one of those on each side, okay? So um, this is this is not something that in training you want to be screwing around with, okay? Because um, I'm hitting it with a bone, right, to this point right here. Anyway, long story short, um, we just had this little little video thing, and and this guy posts um, as they usually do, right? I hope you know that this wouldn't work, okay? Um, you know, you need to take up boxing, you need to take up kickboxing, you need to get into an MMA gym. Um, don't do this um, Aikido BS, right? Well, not Aikido, but anyway, he probably it, it's, it's probably clicked with him because he saw something like it in a Steven Seagal movie or something, right? But anyway, right? But the first thing I thought of, and I'm not here to re-educate the masses, right? Um, because people with that competitive mentality, if I educate them, that's one more person that I have to worry about, right? Because it's in, in, in my mind, it's like giving a loaded gun to a baby, right? Or to a child, right? So they're only looking to win. They're only looking to condemn. They need to be the top guy, whatever. Okay. But what my mind went to was the similarities, right? He named these top three things, which imply that that's what he gravitates to, okay? That type of fighting style, boxing, kickboxing, MMA, okay? So outside of all of them being sports, what's the common denominator? Because this is where my brain went first, okay? What's the common denominator? Anybody? Okay, I'm not popping the chat overlay up. Um, I should be able to see if you, um, let's see, what does that do? Nope, don't want to do that. Okay, so anyway, right? The common denominator is they all wear gloves. So he's absolutely right. 
that drill, that technique would not work in any of those three contexts because the gloves spread out and disseminate the power over a broader area and there's give. Even with MMA gloves, I get it. There's more of a yeah, so there's uh, Chris. I know gloves from class. So um, it softens things up, okay? And it's not that it doesn't hurt, right? But boxing gloves are going to take up, I mean, we're talking about a five-inch extra surface, like radius around the fist, right? This extra uh, extra padding, right? Kickboxers are wearing karate kind of things or smaller gloves, depending on which area they're in, MMA guys, more of those are almost like saps, but they're not filled with sand. Uh, not saps, but uh, the, the gloves that are like that, right? They're these sand-filled, whatever. They don't have those, but they're more dense, okay? But th- these things fill a, a broader area, right? There's give to them. They're built to allow for uh, a bit of safety, right? It, it's not like they're spongy or anything like that, but because of size, because of what's going on, he's absolutely right wouldn't work in those contexts, okay? But we're talking about slamming a bone surface, right? Whether it's knuckles or the side edge of the hand or whatever, right? Into that nerve and tube bundle and smashing it into the side of the spinal column. Oh, I forgot the spinal column while I was mentioning those things, right? The vertebrae, right? are in there with these transverse processes. They're these little flanges that stick off the sides of them. I know, I broke one of them, right? Way down low in my back. Um, it's, a, it's a big one, right? Um, soon as it, as soon as it cracked, legs gave out, right? Um, and I mean like gave out, gave out. But I'm hitting these things into these jagged points, right? It's actually possible to cut these things and sever things inside without cutting somebody's skin. Okay? So I'm doing that. But also, right, and again, for those of you on audio only, kind of demonstrating with my hands, um, again, you, you know, you can look things up, Google, right, uh, get yourself a good uh, anatomical or an anatomy book, whatever, right? But the way the vertebrae sit in there, right, when I hit that, they're either going to flex at a junction, right, where the where the discs are, right? So you're going to flex that way and put strain on things, which means that it's I'm striking on one side and striking the nerves, bundles, tubes, and all that, right? So they're getting smashed into, but when the when the vertebrae flex, right? This, you can do this when you're stretching, right? If you lean your head to one side, right, you're pinching on one side, but you're stretching the stuff on the other side. Right. And the more violently you do this, the more the body has these little stretch reflexes that cause things to not get damaged, but they can damage themselves. Right. But anyway, but uh, if you hit directly into one of these things, right, you can also cause them to shift laterally. Okay. What runs down through the vertebrae? Spinal cord. Okay. So this is not a scoring a point kind of thing. And as a matter of fact, in most sports systems, um, the neck is off limits. You can't punch somebody in the throat. You can't chop the side of the neck. There's a whole bunch of areas that you're not allowed to hit. And the reason for that is because you could kill the guy. Right? In a self-defense situation, I absolutely 
want to shut him down. And I don't mean that I have to knock him out. Right? I was taught a long time ago, my goal is not to win this fight. My goal is to break a human body down as quickly, effectively, and efficiently as possible in the fewest number of shots. Okay? So there's a difference, right? If I'm hitting very specific areas to accomplish that goal, this quote-unquote fight shouldn't last anywhere near two minutes, let alone five minutes, let alone multiple rounds. It doesn't work that way, okay? And training for one doesn't necessarily equate to training for the other. As a matter of fact, I wrote this thing down um, a little bit um, almost last minute as I was going over my notes, right? Um, fighters don't train for self-defense. That doesn't mean they can't defend themselves, right? Fighters don't train for self-defense, and self-defense-oriented uh, practitioners don't get into fights. That's not always true, right? Because egos flare, right? People in martial arts, judgmental, conceptualization, that kind of stuff, right? Um, high on those meters. But what I mean is, as soon as some, as soon as you realize how much you can damage another human being, the same person tends to not want to do that, right? You start to drop the, the, the pretense of needing to win or whatever because the consequences aren't worth it, right? It's not worth going to jail, the ER, the morgue, leaving my kids to be raised by somebody else, right? That kind of stuff, right? Um, two quick stories here. Um, one, a uh, bunch of years ago, so we're talking, let's say I was in the Army stationed in West Germany, so somewhere between 86 and 88, right, uh, probably closer to 86, uh, I used to travel from uh, the middle of what was then West Germany up through the Netherlands into Belgium to a place called Ostend, Belgium, right? Ostend is on the, um, on the uh, English Channel, right? Um, and I would take, I and uh, several students would take a ferry across the English Channel to Dover, right? And yes, the song from the 60s is true, right? The cliffs of Dover are white, very white, heavy in chalk. Anyway, so we'd go over there, uh, and then we would drive up to uh, Liverpool or to a place called Wirral, which is across the Mersey River from Liverpool, um, where there was a boys' camp. Uh, one of my peers, one of my one of my friends, uh, Bryn Morgan, ran um, uh, would host or sponsor seminars. He would either teach or he would bring Stephen Hayes or other instructors, and a bunch of us would go up and and train, right? And uh, one of my first trips up there, I met uh, one of his students, short guy. Right? Um, he was actually, prior to getting into training, he was a uh, an applicant for the UK chapter, the Liverpool chapter of Hell's Angels. And, you know, it's a it's a badass individual. Um, don't ever let somebody size fool you. And, but by the time I met him, I mean, this guy was like just humble and just, just a really nice guy. And we got to talking 
And, you know, he shared all this stuff and he said, you know, then I got involved in training. And I thought I was a badass before. And I thought all the guys that I hung up, at, hung out with were, right? I mean, you know, they'd be willing to shoot you or break your legs or whatever, right? But what he said was, we always, we always did things the way everybody else did them. And then I got involved in this stuff. And I realized all the ways that you could damage or break or whatever a human being. Right. And one day in class, I mean, I got involved because I, I wanted to have an edge. I was the, I was the little guy. Right. And one day in class working on a given technique, it just clicked. I don't want to do this to, to people. Right. I don't, I don't, I mean, unless somebody's actually coming at me and I need to stop them, I don't want to be a part of a group that, that does this because that's what they do puts the willfully puts themselves into situations, right? Where they might have to shoot someone or stab someone or beat them to death or whatever. So really interesting, right? Here's this guy, right? That grew up in this, in this environment and was pushing to get into this group, right? And had this click, right? Had this thing, right? So very different background from me, right? Where I grew up um, being beaten, Right. Being attacked, those kind of things and needing to not let that happen. Right. To be able to survive things like that. This is a very different thing. Right. Um, and then the second story is I, I mentioned earlier uh, that one of the, you know, one of the people that I listen to online uh, is, is uh, name is Jocko Winnick. Uh, Winnick. Winnick. Yeah. Winnick. Willick. Sorry. Jocko Willick. Right. Big guy, right? Bald, whatnot, has a podcast. Um, he's a retired Navy SEAL officer, right? He's a badass individual, right? Uh, but on more than one occasion, in more than one episode, he was discussing this idea of like fighting and self-defense and, and things like that. And he made it very, very clear. Somebody wants to come up and do something or whatever. I'm going to give my wallet. I'm going to, you know, do anything I can to uh, to dissuade, to, you know, uh, de-escalate this thing, to 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 get out of there, to not have to do anything, right? And he said most people would think that it would just be the opposite, right? That I, you know, they look, they see the size of me or whatever, but the reality is, is that there's way too much shit that can go wrong, right? Way too many things can go wrong. Okay. And even if I won, he or his survivors could sue me. I could lose everything, right? Could go to jail. They could round up a whole bunch of guys and come and find me, right? Take me out of my kids' lives, out of my family's life, whatever, right? So um, the people that I respect the most and that I, you know, not just that I grew up in, uh, in this martial art, but, you know, my military training, being a, a military police uh, officer, federal police, you know, whatever, right? Um, I kind of I, I came at that from the same perspective, right? Um, th these, these, these people are not, their humility 
and their lack of ego, right? Just makes them look at things very, very differently. And speaking of looking at things differently, right? Here's another question, right? What are some of the benefits and disadvantages of these two realms? Let's go back to the self-defense and the fight kind of thing. And I only put down a couple of categories, right? Um, rules or, or the frame, right? The environment, uh, what happens, uh, you know, at a certain point, right? Uh, numbers you might have to deal with, safety gear, laws, what happens after, what, that kind of thing, right? So we're going to go down through this. And I want you to seriously think about these things, right? Because we need to get rid of that equal sign between self-defense and fighting. I have no problem if people want to be trained fighters. Have at it. You do you. Okay? But when they want to argue or they want to discuss, they don't discuss. When they want to argue about whether a technique would work or when something would or wouldn't work or when they do things. Like one guy, you know, was, I did a wrist reverse kind of thing because I was controlling somebody. And the cool thing about the upper level stuff and my students will tell you all the time, we'll do certain things with a technique or, or Ron Dory or whatever, and I'll tell people to stop at certain points, and their training partner has to reach out to try to touch them with their other hand or try to kick them or whatever, right? If your training partner can move their legs to step or kick, you don't have any control of them, okay? If they can reach out and punch you in the face while you're in the process of doing a wrist reversal, or a, a joint manipulation or whatever, you're in the wrong damn place. You're not controlling distance, right? So, and the reality in the upper levels, um, again, we've got a, I've got an ebook out somewhere on one of the things. Uh, maybe we'll put it down in the, in the description section for these things afterwards, or you can just send us an email uh, later on if you, if you want it, um, that outlines the first couple of black belt levels and what you're able to do at those levels. And one of the abilities that I want from my uh, third and fourth degree people is that you look like you're in range. He's willing to take the shot. It looks too good to be true, but when he does it, he hurts himself instead. Okay. That's a level of skill that no matter how you try to dis show something in a, in a, in a video because of camera angles and depth of field and things like that. Hatsumi Sensei's always talked about this, right? People take all these pictures and you can, you can wrap video cameras around uh, a demonstration and all you can see is what it looks like, but you can't see what's actually going on. And that's really the crux of Ninjutsu, right? In Ninjutsu, it's never what it looks like, right? But the ego-driven and the superficial, that's all they care about, what it looks like, and then they make assumptions based on that. Anyway, so... Uh, I'm doing this this wrist reversal, this joint manipulation to lock my training partner up, right? And what you can't see is that it's rotating his shoulder, arching his back, right? His hands up, right? But because of angles and things, it looks like he can take the shot, but he can't take the shot because of what you're doing to the body. It actually shortens his reach. He can put his arm out as, as far as he can. His body won't do what he needs to do to do the thing that the naysayers say they would do. It is what it is, right? So, but anyway, right, what are some of the uh, benefits and disadvantages, right, seriously, right, of a fight? Okay, and I'll just give you some cues, right? 
So rules or frame, like size, uh, skill level, experience, weight class, whatever, um, the rules or whatever, right? Are they a benefit or are they a disadvantage? Okay. They're a benefit, right? Okay. It keeps everything within um, a controlled thing. I mean, none of these things means that doesn't mean none of these things uh, avoids the fact that you're, you're going to get hurt or you're going to get knocked out or whatever. Okay. What we need to do is we need to really be serious about and, and, and clear about what's going on. Right. Are we being are we acting from the perspective of an enlightened mind from a perspective of clarity about the problem and those kind of things? Or are we training a certain way, believing certain things and deluding ourselves into believing that we can do what we can do? And this goes for everybody, right? One of my teachers um, asked this question on a regular basis. Can your Ichimonji no Kata, can your whatever, right? Whatever technique, can it drop a 250-pound MMA guy who's used to getting hit in the head several times a week? Because if it can't, you need more training. Okay? There's certain litmus tests. Okay? The litmus test for fighters is what's your win-lose uh, ratio? But when we're looking at self-defense, there's certain litmus tests. Right? Do your strikes have bite where they actually crack and or break a bone or can they drive somebody like off their off their feet? Well, that's not just a, a power thing. Right. That's also balance, direction, uh, alignment, using his body against itself. Right. And you can either you don't have to study these things from an intellectual side, because a lot of people just they just I, I had somebody just tell me um, the this power line. And banging thumbs together bullshit, right, um, wouldn't work, right? So he doesn't want to hear anything about balance lines and power lines, right? And I, I was demonstrating a, 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 a double wrist escape where I was locking him down, right, using power lines and whatnot, right? And then banging his own thumbs together because of the nerve that runs through there, right? But to him, that was BS. Why? Well, it doesn't look like the way everybody else fights. It doesn't look – techniques like that don't look real to people, okay? The number of people that laugh or giggle or dismiss things at a seminar uh, – uh, every time I do a knife defense seminar, like a level one knife defense seminar, and we're talking about improvised armor taking off your jacket, wrapping around your, your uh, arm, right? And then leading with that side. So it's harder to cut your arteries and whatnot on the inside of your arm and, and damage and debilitate your, your, not just your arm, but to get you leak out, right? Um, and I'll take off my shoes and slide my hands into them and then lead with the shoes on my hands with the soles of my feet. And the number of people that, that laugh about that and then will take a knife, Right. And slam it into the soles of these like modern shoes and whatnot. Right. To show that you're going to get little to no penetration. I haven't gotten penetration yet, but I'm sure if somebody had enough oomph behind them and I stiffened up enough, I might get poked um, by the tip of it coming through. But that stuff is pretty dense. Right. It's designed to allow you to jump down on rocks and stones and broken glass and not get your feet impaled. Right. Um, but then not only am I 
do I have them on my feet on my uh, hands for armor, but I'm also parrying and punching, right? I'm using palm strikes, but with the bottom of the shoe because now it's a force amplifier, right? Um, and the number of people that walk away a new believer because they stuck it out. And I say, look, just humor me, right? Give this a try. Because when they first see it, it looks ludicrous. I mean, after all, who the hell does that? And that's the kind of shit that gives you an advantage. Because if you think the same way your attacker does, and you fight the same way your attacker either does or is used to seeing, he's already got you covered. Okay? I don't even have mentality on here. There's a whole bunch of things I don't have. But rules and framework, are they a benefit or a, um, a disadvantage to a fighter? They're a benefit, right? The number of dojo invaders, I'm going to call them, right, that I have dissuaded coming into my dojo wanting to spar. For those of you on audio only, I'm making air quotes, right, who's wanted to spar, right? I know that that is a win-win on his side and a lose-lose on my side situation. It doesn't matter who wins and loses. If I win, he could sue me. If he wins, he gets bragging rights and gets to rip the reputation of the dojo, which is partly how I support my family, right? So I'm either going to have legal problems or I'm going to have financial problems, no matter how it goes. So if he thinks I'm going to fight fair with rules because I've got something to prove like he does, then he's he's already not in the same not in the same I'm gonna use the term league, but I don't mean that I'm better than him. Okay. Martial arts instructors always have a win win, lose lose kind of situation, and the the odds are always not in their favor. Okay. So anybody that plays around with that shit, right? It's like playing it's again, it's like playing with a gun. Okay. So um but what I do when they when I can't talk them out of it, my last ditch is to pull out one of our liability waivers and slide it across the desk and say, sign that. Wait, what? Why do you want me to sign that? Because if we're doing this, and I explain the win-win-lose-lose. So I just want you to know that I, I, I want to be covered. You get injured because if I can stick my thumb in your eye socket, I'm going to stick my thumb in your eye socket. If I can punch you in the windpipe, I'm going to punch you in the wind. No, no, no. you got to have rules. Every single one of them. No, no, no. you got to have rules for safety. No, no, no. You're coming in here and threatening my livelihood, my well-being, my students. That No. You don't get to do that. If we're going to play, sign that. Nobody's ever signed it. Because they don't want to go that far. Okay? If I'm going to lose everything then we're going to be really clear, okay, that, anyway, all right, so rules, framework, size, experience level, all that kind of stuff, right, okay, what about the environment, right, is the environment beneficial or a a detriment or a disadvantage to the combatants, it's sanitary, flat floor, has a little bit of give to it, right, um, there's a very specific space, right? There, there's a specific boundary, right? It's conducive to what's going on. It's well lit, 
right? It's not a back alley. It's not loose gravel. It's not wet grass. It's not on a hillside. It's not inside your car, anything like that, right? It also comes, you know, all expenses paid, right? It comes equipped with a referee, right? Who gets to make sure that things stay fair, okay? Gets to make sure that things are going the way they're supposed to go, right? Um, what happens when you drop, right, in, in one of these fights, right? What happens when you drop? If the goal is to knock the guy out or just to win the fight, what happens? They talk smack, they whatever, right? If it's a competition fight, what happens? Referee comes sliding in, right, to do the 10 count, keeps the guy back, whatever, right? What happens when you drop? People come to your aid, okay? Um, what about the number of fighters, number of opponents? Usually just one, right? Usually not a free-for-all. Do they have those kind of things? Yeah, they're illegal in most countries, right? But if you jump into one of those, then you better know what you're doing, right? What about safety gear? Yep, we already talked about that, right? However minimalistic it is, there's that. If there's not safety gear, then there's off-limits targets, right? What about laws, okay? Any laws in the, in the ring? No. Okay, you're going to go to jail for assault, right, for beating or breaking this person, right? Are you going to jail if you kill them or if you cripple them? Okay, probably not, right, because you signed a contract, you signed a way. All, there's all kinds of stuff, right? Probably not going to happen, right? Um, what happens afterwards? Right? People talk smack. They ask for a rematch, right? All kinds of stuff, right? There's there's a fight next week, right? There's there's another one, okay? So um, it's there's a certain paradigm to it, right? Um, I'm not saying these people can't defend themselves, right? Um, but again, just like boxers, and to some extent uh, that that extends to kickboxers and, and guys like that, right? People that wear gloves, boxing gloves, those kind of things, right? Um, their hands tend to get taped in a certain position to go into the gloves, right? Um, most boxers, or at least a high percentage, right, um, who get into fights outside the ring break their hands. Doesn't mean they win, but they break their hands. Because outside the ring... Your fist needs to be in a better position. As a matter of fact, outside the ring, a better a better uh, fist would be like this this palm strike or hammering kind of things or this shikan can extended knuckle uh, fist kind of things that we have the knife hands and whatnot because the skull on the front right from the brow line to the jaw and from the uh, the uh, just forward of the ear right? Top of the mandible on one side across to the other side. If you've ever seen a skull, then you know that the, the contour is nothing but chisel-like surfaces, right? And you're going to contact that with these little pencil size, pencil-shaped uh, pieces, right? You're going to break things, okay? If you break a face, there was a whole lot of impact, 
right? You break a face with a pipe or a stick. You don't break it with your fist. Could you? Yeah, but I broke his jaw. No, you probably dislocated his jaw. It takes a whole lot to break a human jaw. If you break the jaw, there's a whole lot of facial and skull damage as well because of how strong the jaw, jaw is on mammals. Okay? Anyway, um, but let's contrast that with a self-defense situation, right, where you're being jumped. Okay? Any rules? No. He can and will do anything that he freaking wants. Okay? I always said if I was ever in the movies, I would always want to play bad guys. They can do whatever they want. Good guys have this moral code, they have this ethical thing and all that, and I firmly believe in them. But if I were going to be an actor, oh, be a bad guy, right? Everybody wants laws passed to control this, to control that and whatnot. Bad guys and criminals don't freaking follow rules. So what makes you think they're going to do it because, <laughs> right? That's like expecting somebody that's never honored a peace treaty or any other kind of agreement or accord or whatever that this time they're going to do it because we need them to. Right. What happens when you drop? Right? They slam you. They knock you down. Whatever. This Friday, uh, our our um, our uh, Friday virtual class, right? Uh, it's our Shinobi Kai black belt class and whatnot that people could sign up for. Uh, I'm going to cover this on Whiteboard Wednesday. Um, fighting from the ground. Please notice I didn't say fighting on the ground. Okay, where both of you are down there wrestling. Right. The topic is fighting from the ground. I don't care how it happened, but you're on the ground and he's above you kicking, grabbing, swinging a weapon, whatever. OK, um, that's a whole different paradigm. Right. In a sport match, that doesn't happen. What happens when you're down? They come in, break it up, give you a chance to get up. Right. If he hasn't jumped right on you. Okay? And again, it's different different rules in different MMA divisions or, or organizations, boxing, those kind of things, right? But, okay. Um, what happens when you're down in a self-defense situation? I don't know. They could do just about anything to you or with you. And I mean that literally. They drop you. You're unconscious or dizzy. A weapon comes out. They hack the shit out of you. Let's leave you to bleed out. Or they pop a couple of rounds in you. Or they use and abuse you for whatever reason, right? Whatever, okay? Um, what about the number of attackers? It's virtually unlimited, right? In our Togakure school, uh, which is one of the schools that we focus on for people going for fourth degree black belt, right? Um, that's where a lot of mutodori, unarmed against uh, uh, attackers with swords, right? So, yeah, really unarmed, right? We give you some shuriken or we give you some blinding powder or some, you know, uh, facsimile thereof, right? Um, and you start with uh, two, right? You defend against two. And then the number doubles on the scroll, I think, all the way up to 32. You could be surrounded by as many as 32. But the implication is it's whatever you got, Okay. Now, how do you defend against that? They're all bladed, and what you have is maybe a couple of stars and, and maybe some blinding powder. Okay? It's about the tactical application and what the goal is, because it's not taking these guys on one or two at a time like you do in the freaking movies. Okay? It's about getting 
flipping the situation so that you're not inside the circle surrounded where any of them could run you through or hack you to pieces at any moment, right? And going from that position to outside the circle where they're all behind you. How do you do that? Right? So again, you start with two, goes to four, goes to eight, goes to 16. You get the idea, right? So there's no limit on numbers, right? Pack mentality. These people are predators, okay? If you think they're going to attack you fairly, okay? But there's all these delusions, right? We want to be, we have, we fantasize about being Chuck Norris. We fantasize about being Steven Seagal. We fantasize about being Grandmaster Hatsumi. We fantasize all you want, right? But your fantasy better match with the way things work in the world, right? Uh, what about safety gear? Not unless you find some laying around or in the case of the knife thing, I take off my jacket or I pull my shirt off, right? And stun them with my, my uh, padded torso, right? <laughs> pull my t-shirt off and wrap it around my, uh, my sleeve or whatever, because I'm, I'm trying to protect as many things as possible, right? Or I take off my shoes or whatever. So there is none. I have to improvise it or use my environment and my surroundings to put things between he and I, right? That's my safety gear, right? It's whatever's in the environment. We call them usable aids on hand. You either have them or you don't, right? If there's change in your pocket, you might be able to throw it at them. But that, now that's a tool, not safety gear. But either way, right? What about laws? There are very specific laws in all jurisdictions differentiating between self-defense, fighting, assault, uh, aggravated assault, attempted murder, all those kind of things, right? Step outside the the self-defense doctrine and you could find yourself surrounded by different types of attackers, but you're all wearing orange jumpsuits. Okay? And again, you know, people get all deluded that they're going to fight a certain way, but, you know, in a self-defense situation, I could be going toe-to-toe with somebody and it feels like a fight, until I feel probably after the second or third one has gone in, right, that somebody's come up behind me with a knife or a shank or whatever, a screwdriver or whatever, and has already plunged in, um, chopping my, depending on angle, right, kidney, liver, kid, uh, kidney, liver, spleen, uh, whatever, right, um, just hacking the crap out of me so that it's just done. Right? And that's getting to a fight where his friends are, are nearby and they, you know, so like the movies, right? I got this. So they all back off, right? Yeah. Wait to see what the pack does, what the, what the wolves do when you start winning. Okay. This is why Jocko uh, Willink and, and a bunch of guys, me included, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Not unless I have no other choice. And if I have to, it's not going to be fair. Right. It's not going to be fair. That's why I carry a knife. It's why I carry other weapons. It is what it is. Right. So. But it's it's not the same. It's not the same realm. Okay. Anyway. Um, what else do I have here? Um. I told I told a story in the past about uh, being a class of that's me and he was reminding all the advanced people, right? Doesn't matter how many 
techniques you know. It doesn't matter what, what level your belt is, right? You need, if you don't have actual fight or uh, survival or military experience or whatever, you've been in that bubble. If you don't have any of that experience, you need to find people who do and talk to them, right? Because they may not be able to tell you how to do uh, Seon or Tangeki or whatever technique, but they will tell you how you better be training, right? Um, so let's see. What I'm, what I'm going to, well, you know what, I'll come back to that. So let's go back to that first question, right? What's the goal of self-defense training? The goal of self-defense training is to avoid, evade, and escape from impending danger if possible. And if it's not possible, to you know, to deter the person, right? If that's not possible, then to mitigate, right? That means reduce, right? The amount of damage that's going to be happening to you, right? As much as possible while you neutralize the threat. And you continue to do that until it's no longer necessary. And that's that means it's no longer necessary because either you have stopped the threat, it's down, it's run away, or your TV's turned off. Okay. The goal of self-defense training is survival. But to do that, we have to understand what the problem is, what potential attacks, how what different types of attacker logic exist. Because everybody tends to stop at learning the cool tricks and skills. They learn the kata. They get the belts. They feel all satisfied and warm and fuzzy about themselves. Right? But how do different attackers think? What's the connection between somebody's size and build or athleticism or not and the type of fight style they've tended to pick up on or they prefer or have gravitated to, right? You can tell a lot about somebody's personality type by the type of martial art or fight style they, they're attracted to, okay? Do you have to learn this stuff? No. Will it give you a serious advantage? Absolutely. Okay. But again, what's the goal? Self-defense. How about if we change the word self-defense to self-protection, self-preservation, survival, those kind of things, right? It's not about winning a fight. No one who's ever been attacked and escaped felt like they won anything. Because there wasn't a prize to win outside of life and limb. But that doesn't feel like winning. Okay. And I, but I do get, right? There's certain personality types, certain, certain egos, right? That need to this, to do this other thing. That's why I've always made a different, I've always differentiated, right? So it's how some say, right? Differentiated between Budo Tajitsu, right? And Nimpo Tajitsu. Budo and Nimpo. Everybody's a warrior, right? But it's why you fight, what it looks like, right? What you're willing to do. So from a from a conventional standpoint, right? Fighters need 
need for people to know. I'm the baddest guy on the block. They need for people to know that they won that fight. They need that thing. I don't know what holes they're they're trying to spackle with this neediness, but right, they need that. Right? Being a ninja too, and operating like a true ninja, right, is like being a member of the CIA. If anybody knows that you've acted, your life and your family's life and everybody that you know is in danger. When they die in the line of duty, right, at Langley, Virginia, right, there is a gold star added to a wall of officers who fell in the line of duty. But there's no name. There's no nothing. There's a star. There's no number. There's no designation. Anybody that was there for the ceremony, family, friends, colleagues, whatever, Okay, they know whose star that is, but there's nothing. Somebody, a stranger can't walk into the lobby of Langley and see that wall of stars and collect any information. Okay. People with egos, people who have fight mentalities and things like that, just this, this is not a good thing for them, right? But those are the people that kind of have led the way in all the changes that have happened over the last, what, since 1979, right? All the changes over the decades, because what they wanted was fight skills. What they wanted was kata. What they wanted was belt rank. Look at me. Okay. Anyway, right? So again, we're back to the question, right? And this is this is this is a personal question. Not, I'm not asking you anything. I'm posing it because it's a question that was asked of me a long time ago, and I ask myself on a regular basis. Right? The enlightened person keeps themselves in check by constantly checking: Are you? You know, what's the what's the agenda, right? Are you focused on this? Are you getting that? Or are you focused on that? Right? You can say one thing, but if you're getting different results, then right? Karma. The word karma means action. It implies cause and effect, but it means action. Right? And the whole crux of karma is the boomerang effect. What you do causes effects to happen natural effects the natural effects of those things not something different right certain actions done in in relation to other things or very specific things cause very specific results very specific effects we know that that's how we were able to build bridges so people can consistently do the same thing over and over again and unless uh, Mendelbrot's uh, Law of Chaos kicks in, you know, that one in a million kind of thing, everything happens consistently, right? That's why we can trust our firearm. We can trust, you know, the, the cooking recipe or whatever. All these kind of things because ca- do these things. Collectively, they cause that thing, right? With this batter together, with these specific ingredients to these specific ratios, 
put them in this pan and put them in that box and heat it at this temperature for this long and you produce the same results all the time. And if you don't, there's something wrong with the box, there's something wrong with the ingredients you used, whatever, right? It's cause and effect. So again, life and the results we're getting, right? If I get a belt and I get all warm and fuzzy, if I'm in training in Japan and I keep looking over my shoulder to see if the, the teacher's watching, I am not training for self-preservation. Indirectly, I am. But that's not my primary motivation for being in class. It can't be, or I wouldn't give a shit if they were looking at me or not. I would figure if I'm doing something wrong, they'll come and tell me. Until then, I keep doing what I'm doing. Okay? So... <laughs> We have to we have to look at look at what life is feeding back, right? We have to check our own like what what's our emotional highs and whatnot, right? Again, not ringing my own bell, but every time I got promoted, I got pissed off. Okay, I'm still working on trying to get to a level based on the last two freaking ranks you threw in my direction, and I don't think that I'm at that level yet, right? There's things I'm gauging against my time in training based on Japanese instructors training about the same or other students training about the same time, um, whatever. There's there's other situations or there's things on the syllabus that I'm looking at going, I know why that's there. That's to handle that kind of a situation against that kind of an attacker. I'm not ready for that yet, right? I'm, I'm still working on that. Next thing I know, I get a promotion to the next level. I'm, meanwhile, I watch other people gloat. Oh, thank you, Sensei. Here's the $300. Thank you for the promotion. Anyway, right? Um, so enlightenment implies clarity. We understand the way things work. We understand the nature of the problem. And we understand that which is needed to, to solve the problem. Okay? And I mean, some other time we'll talk about the seven seven aspects of an enlightened mind. But... There's this clarity, right? And there's this focus on a goal and a specific outcome, right? Self-defense, self-protection. What is being defended, right? Value, whatever, okay? But if we're trying to win something, so every single one of us has to check, right? Our training based on enlightened perspective, and that includes the discipline and willingness to do what's necessary, right? Um, or are we deluding ourselves? Okay. And sometimes it's hard to tell because we can be so fully entrenched, like some of these guys that are like that, that, that guy with the wrist reversal thing, right? Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned what he what he said was, um, you know. Uh, that was inefficient movement. Um, you could have pulled your hand free with the same one, um, haven't you ever wrestled? But the point of the technique I was doing was not to make him let go. It was to lock up his arm while he still held on to me so I could control his spine and his skeleton so he couldn't punch me in the face with the hand that the guy thought, that this troll thought that he could punch me. Okay? So assumptions are a bitch. 
I'm not here to re-educate the masses. Okay? Because the more these people I re-educate, the more I might have to worry about. That's why martial arts teachers throughout history have not always, and there was always this adage, right? You don't teach your students all you know. Okay? I'll teach my students all I know. I can only teach them what I know up to this point, but as long as I'm still training and still progressing, they'll never know all that I know. But at the same time, self-protection also includes things like, I don't know, humility, compassion, charity, all those things that make you a nice person that people, that well-balanced, sane people want to be around and, and assholes and, and, um, angry people and whatnot don't want to be around. That's a form of self-protection too. Right? Cause if I surround myself with people that don't have misgivings and are not trying to be top dog and are not thinking, waking up thinking about who they can mug today, there are less people I need to worry about in any given moment. But anyway, that's me. Right? So what I'm going to wrap it up with, and, and like I said, I see um, uh, Divine's uh, comment there, but uh, I'm going to wrap my part up here, and then we'll, I'll take any questions. But um, beliefs that means our understanding, our perspective, right? And our training paradigm, right? The way we go about training mean everything. Mean everything, right? Because the way we train, what we believe, what we understand to be true, what we're seeking to to do, whatever, right? The goal becomes a ceiling. I mentioned that in, in previous episodes, and I know I, I teach my inner circle guys this all the time, right? The way we think about something creates a ceiling. It creates a bottleneck. It creates it, cre- it creates a, a limitation. Okay? I mean, I could I could spring away from self defense at the moment and talk about our our innate potential, right? If we don't think that we're worth more than that minimum wage job, working at a convenience store or whatever, and that's and I I know that that's true about certain people because that's all they ever apply for. Because if you mention something else, they would love to do that but they can't bring themselves to go do it because they're afraid they're going to hear no. Why would you hear no? Well, because I don't have this, this, and this. What's stopping you from getting this, this, and this? Okay. Our belief about ourselves creates a ceiling, creates a stopgap. What if you didn't have one? And how the hell would you know what it was if you didn't stop acting like you had one? The only way you're going to find out what your true limits are is to act like you don't have any. That's me since I always said that in the early days, right? The goal of the training is to become a no limits person. In a fight, spoken or unspoken, Right. Again, I don't care if it's the bar fight or whatever, because people are willing to like duke it out, but they're not willing to go to jail. Right. If they're willing to go to jail, they're not willing to go to jail long term. Right. There's certain things they're not willing to lose, whatever. So there are these conscious, unconscious, spoken or unspoken limitations in sport fights. There's lots of limitations. Okay. In a survival situation, you cannot have any. Because if you have them. They're going to get you killed. And that includes pride. That includes envy. That includes fear. Right? You'll be afraid enough. Right? And if you're not, 
then you're a psychopath or a sociopath, right? Um, can't have any. The only limitation I go by is the self-defense doctrine. But if I cannot stay within it to stay alive or to keep my family or friend or whoever I'm trying to protect alive, and actually this will stay within the self-defense paradigm because I'm going to do the minimum necessary to shut this thing down. But at the same time, if I can't, I'm still going to do what's necessary because I can't let that thing be the thing that gets me or somebody else killed. But we all have to, you know, make up our own little, make up our own minds, decide what our limits are. Anyway, all right, so questions, comments, anybody? I don't have James looking behind. Let me see if I have anything or if I can bring anything up. Uh, let's see what this is. Oh, look, I think I can jump around onto different platforms. Those are read-only. <laughs> Where are my normal guys? I could bring this thing up quickly, but I have to be very careful because if there's a troll on here, we've had problems in the past, and I don't like it because it brings out a part of me that nobody is going to want to see including me let's see nope i don't want that that's an overlay chat 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 all right i don't see anything so i'm gonna oh wait phil phil hey phil good evening all right hopefully you're doing okay i haven't seen you on the or have i seen you on the training and i just forgot anyway hopefully you'll be on tomorrow night Phil's one of my inner circle guys. Divine's one of my um, Shinobi Kai guys, uh, black belts at the dojo. Helps teach classes. So let's see. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, we've been going at this for almost an hour and a half. So uh, any questions, comments, whatever, you can always shoot us an email. Uh, you can send them to Warrior C, W-A-R-R-I-O-R, -R -R, the letter C, so Warrior and the letter C, at Warrior dash concepts dash online.com dash is a hyphen or a minus sign right i used to say hyphen all the time and people were like not knowing what that was so warrior c at warrior hyphen concepts hyphen online.com um yeah that's it otherwise um i will talk to everybody again on wednesday at 3 p.m eastern time for this week's whiteboard wednesday again the topic is fighting from the ground so He's not down there with you, right? You're on the ground, however you got there. And this guy or people, right, have a whole lot of extra um, opportunities. And then that's going to carry over to the Friday virtual class, um, which will focus on the same thing. If you want information on that, um, you can go to onlineninjaacademy.com forward slash uh, Friday dash virtual dash training. I think that's it. Right. Uh, but you'll, you'll be able to see on, on the whiteboard Wednesday and you can go to uh, YouTube to the YouTube channel and um, go to live and you'll see this whole library of all of our past whiteboard Wednesdays. I think we're up in the, the hell are we? 
episode or what uh thing is this whiteboard wednesday let's see bum 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 this one is episode 61 so we're well over a year into whiteboard wednesday uh next week i'm going to cover the etacopo yawara and kubaton uh, these short handheld sticks uh the week after that we're doing elbows um we have to that striking angles, difference, difference of striking angles and things like that. Differences between Dakantai Jutsu, Kopo Jutsu and Koshi Jutsu striking. Like just different stuff, right? Um, angle, difference in angles on the strikes. Those kind of things, right? So that'd be cool. Um, what are we doing? Topic for next week for Kuden is, oh, aspects of the enlightened mind. <laughs> <laughs> so next week I'm covering uh, there's seven uh, aspects of an enlightened mind that comes out of a teaching uh, that's called the Sanjishijobon uh, in Japanese. So the 37 fundamentals leading to enlightenment. Um, so anyway, we'll just keep on moving. Right. I appreciate everybody that uh, uh, jumps on. I hope you get some value out of this. If there are topics or questions or whatever that you would like me to cover, uh, you can send those also to warrior C at warrior-concepts-online.com and we will get those on the schedule, right? Tired of picking the topics myself, right? I'd like, love nothing more than to make these things based on, um, your, uh, training needs, questions, those kind of things, right? So anyway, that's it. I will talk to you again next week on, what is it? Say it with me on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio, subscribe through your favorite podcasting site, or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.